Let me pray before I start. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be with fellow believers and fellow committed Christians and share your word and to, uh, just to take part in your goodness and your extreme goodness, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that as we're uh, worshiping you this morning and all that we do, Lord, that, that your love be felt all around this congregation. Lord, I just pray uh, that as I speak, Lord, that your words be coming out, Lord, and that your supernatural divine words be uh, attaching themselves to hearts all over this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, one of the, there's lots of great things about this book, the Bible, but one of the greatest things I think about on a daily basis is that it's filled with stories. It's filled with stories of great men and women that have come before us, and we can use them as examples in our lives. We can use them as almost spiritual mentors in our lives. We can examine their lives. We can study their lives. We can see the situations that they were in. And more importantly, we can, we can read stories of how God intervened in all of those situations. Because I don't know about you, and I think in this aspect, you're probably a lot like me, where I want to get every ounce of these biblical promises in my life that God has for me. There's not one thing that I want to sell God short in my life. I want to try to line up my life so that every one of these biblical promises comes true in my life, that every single thing that God has planned for me that sooner or later will come to fruition. That's what I want for my life. And I would assume just by the sake of you just being here today, there's a part of you that that's what you want. You want every single piece of God and this word and his promises to be implanted into you. We would agree on that, right? Yeah. I think we'd also agree that we go through lives in 2020 and we, we, we live in a chaotic time. We live in a chaotic world with things that are just, you know, they're not biblical. They don't line up with probably the spiritual values that we have and the biblical promises that we believe in. So in some sense, it, the things that I'm talking about today, living that way, are very hard in the world we live in. They're very hard in the world we live in. And one of the things I, I, I think that we get wrong about some of these stories in the Bible, that we look at these stories in the Bible and we read them and we think, yeah, that's a great, inspiring, motivated story. But that person was able to do that when everything was all lining up for them, where everything was perfect in that situation. And that is not, if you've read your Bible at all, you can pretty quickly figure out that that is not the case. These people were, for the most part, really, that they were going through way more chaotic times than we are right now. But still, we do live in an uncertain time with, you know, in chaotic situations and circumstances. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the life of Daniel, because I believe Daniel is a great example of someone who's able to stand firm to his commitment with God, that he was able to live a life of faith, that he was able to live a life of obedience when the world around him was in a chaotic situation. And when you talk about Daniel, what, what's the, the story you always hear? Daniel and the lion's den, right? But I, I would submit this morning that this is a book that's not about Daniel's and the lion's den. That just happened to be one singular story that was told and one singular encounter that he had in his life. But his life started way before that moment in the, in the lion's den. His commitment, his obedience, and his faithfulness to God happened well before that situation. Because when we come to a chaotic situation, 
If that's the first time we come to God or we try to be obedient, we try to be faithful, it's too late for that. It doesn't work that way. We need to take a stand for Christ before we even actually have to in certain situations. And the life of Daniel shows us that what happens when we obey God, really at all cost, when we're faithful to God, when we're committed to God. And I made this comment a few weeks ago that in our lives, in any certain time or season in our life, you're either doing one or two things. You're either running towards God or you're running away from God. And Daniel is an awesome example of someone who lived his life always with the posture of he was running towards God. Because one of the remarkable things about Daniel's commitment and Daniel's faith is that it was consistent. It was all the time. It was all the time. It was a daily faith that had built up, and he was building upon that faith day after day after day. He always bet on his God, that no matter what the circumstance was going on in his life, his God and the God that he served was bigger than that circumstance. And we all know the same God that Daniel served is the same God that we serve today thousands of years later. And this morning, I think we can learn some things from Daniel's life, what made him stand out, what made him excel in, somehow, in sometimes desperate times, and what's an excellent example for us to live even in 2020. And I'm going to take a little while to set up where I'm going because I think it's important to understand the context and the times that Daniel was living in. Because again, he's a great example of he lived his life in chaotic times. And I, I, most great people that I know, most great people that I know, they've learned to excel when times are tough. They've learned to be, still be champions of Christ when things on the outside might not be looking the best. They've learned to be faithful in the good times and faithful in the bad times. So I think it's important to understand the context and the times that Daniel was living in. When he was a young boy, real young, he, lived in, he, was, wrote, he was raised as a Jewish boy and everything was fine. And then in his young teenage years, God was judging his people. From, 17, from 722 B.C. to 586, God was judging the ten tribes, the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes. And during that time, his people were basically deported from the land where he grew up in to the land of Babylon. So basically what happened, they were uprooted from their God-centered, perfect, peaceful life, as far as Daniel was concerned, into this pagan, idol-oriented land of Babylon. And during that time that I talked about, God was judging for three reasons. Failure to keep the covenant, failure to keep the Sabbath, and idolatry. And although those are three reasons, you could really just boil those down to one, one, one real reason is the people of that time were not putting God first. They were not making God the priority that he should be. And during that time, the Jews were deported to Babylon. There were three separate waves. Daniel and his friends, uh, uh, three friends, Shadrach, thank you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, I, I, I stumbled because, like, I had little kids. Everybody heard, heard of VeggieTales? VeggieTales? So, like, to me, these three guys are Rack, Shack, and Benny. I mean, so, so when you... So when you have to go to the real names, I stumble because I'm thinking, I'm thinking Rack, Shack, and Benny still. 
So uh, if, if, that, if, if you didn't get, if you don't know who Rack Shack and Benny are, don't, don't, don't worry about it. They were just Daniel's buddies that he hung out with from time to time. But what's really going on is in, the, in, in spite of the spiritual corruption of those days, Daniel and his faithful friends were faithful covenant keepers all of the time. But they, they get into this land of Babylon, and Babylon, Babylon at the time was the capital of this vast empire. When Daniel and his friends arrived, it was the height of its power under Nebuchadnezzar. It was a massive city, massive walls, huge gates to the likes that Daniel had never seen. The Babylon was at the height of its power. This pagan, idol-oriented land, I'm sure when Daniel got there, he, he was probably like, holy cow, what just happened? Where's my life going? Where am I? He probably looked at his three friends. They probably looked at each other and was like, guys, we're not in Kansas anymore. That's the reality of his situation. He went from this monotheistic culture where he was just minding his own business, serving one God, into this culture where they were serving many gods, and they weren't the one true God. But here's what happened. I believe Daniel decided at that moment that those situations were ordained by God. And him and his friends were asked, were asked by God to represent him in the middle of a foreign, chaotic land and chaotic times. How many times is there a situation in our own lives that maybe it's not going right, it's not what we thought, and we get down in the dumps, and we, we start to maybe get depressed, and we start to get discouraged, instead of thinking to ourselves, you know what? Maybe in this situation, God has asked me to be his representative in the middle of this situation. That changes your thoughts on things. That changes how you're going to handle that situation. Maybe God needs you in that situation. We're going to pick up the story. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel 1, chapter 5. I'm sorry, Daniel 1, verse 5. And during this time of deportation, the king was looking for the, for the strong, good-looking, handsome, smart, young Jewish boys that he could train up and use in the future. Pick it up in verse 5, and it says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so at the end of the time he might serve before the king. So he gathers up, he gathers up all the young, strong, good-looking uh, well-kept young boys, and he says, these are the guys that I'm going to train up. I'm going to put them in a leadership program for three years, and I'm going to give them all the, the, the top-of-the-line delicacies, the, the best food, the best meats, the best wine, because after three years, these, are guys, these guys are going to be ready to go. These guys are going to have it all. And Daniel and his three friends were on, in that group. Now, at that point, those guys had a decision to make. Those guys had a decision to make. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested to the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor, of the, favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. So what happens, the king says that this is what's going to happen for three years. You can eat all this stuff, drink all this stuff. And Daniel says, no way, I'm not doing it. 
And obviously then the chief of the eunuch says, you are going to do it because you guys report to me. And if you guys don't eat all this stuff and learn all this stuff and build yourself up, it's going to be my head on the chopping block. I'm not going to be caring about you four guys because I'm the one that has to pay the price. There is no way. But Daniel says, I'll make you a deal. That's fine. But here's the deal, Daniel says. Let us do it for 10 days. Let us just do it our way for 10 days and see what happens. And here's what happens in verse 15, after those 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all of the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were, they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, again, doing it their way, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Jumping down to verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were, who were in all his realm. You might be in the situation, in a chaotic situation that maybe doesn't look very godly or very spiritual. But God will use you in this moment. When this story is going on, Daniel and his friends, and really Daniel, was in a life-defining moment. Because at this point, Daniel had, to come, Daniel had to figure out, who do I believe in? What do I believe? And really more importantly, when do I believe it? Because all of us in here today, for the most part, we would line up with Daniel on the first two. And the first two, we would agree, I know who I believe in, and I know what I believe in. What comes into question many times, and even my own life, but what comes into question is, when do I actually believe it? Do I believe it when I'm in this church listening to a word? Do I believe it when Guy and the team is up here singing awesome worship songs leading me into an encounter with Christ, and I'm raising my hands? Do I believe it then? I can say yes to that. But what happens in our lives when we walk out this door and something happens? Or Monday we get to work and something happens? Or Wednesday something happens in our family? Or Thursday something happens with our kids? Or Friday something happens with a relationship? Do I believe it then? Or do I have to wait till Sunday? Or do I have to call Guy and say, hey, Guy, can you play me one of those worship songs? <laughs> See, I believe we have our own Daniel situation 2,500 years after the story of Daniel. Because I believe God has called us to represent him in each of our individual areas of life and spheres of influence in chaotic times and to be a representative for him. And here's the other thing that Daniel shows us, which I think is extremely important. Daniel shows us how to excel in a chaotic time. Daniel shows us how to still be a champion for Christ in a chaotic time. 
Daniel shows us how to be an on-fire Christian, an on-fire spiritual warrior, while maybe the things around him aren't going very well. Because what do we do sometimes in life? Sometimes in life, when we're in that situation, we just try to merely survive. You know what? I'm going to survive this season in my life until it passes. I'm going to survive this season in my life until I see God something do miraculous, or he sends somebody my way to speak into my life. Daniel was able to excel, not just survive, because Daniel understood Daniel understood that God's plan for his life was not to just merely exist or survive. And I know you'll agree with me on that. But here's the deal. If you agree with me on that point, you have to agree with me that that is not your calling for your life as well. You have to agree with me that God's plan for you is to excel in any time of your life. Because God's will for you is just not merely to survive. God's calling for your life is just not merely to get by. And Daniel was an expert in this. And I know if you're like me, you read the story of Daniel's and you say, man, I've got some questions. Daniel, how did you do it? How did you excel? How did you keep the faith? How did you view all these things? And I'm going to call this this morning the Daniel difference. Because there are a lot of ways that Daniel led his life that I think many times we don't because we get distracted. And I'm going to talk about five, five ways which I believe that we can learn from Daniel and the way Daniel viewed things differently. His circumstances, his conduct, his company, his commitment, and his commission, or, or his calling, if you want to say it that way. Number one, his circumstances. With the Lord's help and the Lord's guidance, Daniel used these difficult circumstances to establish his testimony, his story, his ministry, and his career. See, here's what Daniel understood about these, these chaotic times and these chaotic things that were happening. He understood that all of these moments in his life were ordained by God. And the same God that ordained these situations in Daniel's life is the same God that is ordaining and working out and planning out our lives. Daniel's story was a long time ago. So the context and the times and the places have changed, but God never changes. God is always up to something behind the scenes. God is always working in our lives. God is always wanting to work through us. See, Daniel understood that God was paving the way. And Daniel responded in a way that his actions, Daniel's actions, the way he lived his life, proved that he was committed to Christ. Daniel's actions allowed the rest of the world to prove and to see that his God was bigger than anything that he was going to encounter. That his God was higher than anything he would ever get into. Daniel's concept and Daniel's concept of, of how he viewed God changed his in, way he viewed everything else. This is a simple statement, but sometimes the most simplest things I think are the most profound. The way you view God, the way you view God is the way you will view your life. The way you view God is the way you view yourself. And many times we put limits on that. Sometimes, and again, 
I do the same things, right? I'm just like you. I make the same mistakes. I'm, I'm, you know, screw up as many times as you do. Sometimes I find myself trying to live this faithful life, but somehow I'm, in my mind, I'm serving a God that is about this big and that somehow I can take care of the rest. And then I wonder why sometimes, well, maybe why am I doing things out of fear and anxiety and stress? Well, because I've limited God to this and I'm taking on all this. Well, no wonder I'm scared. No wonder I'm walking out in fear. Because now I've got to do it all myself, and I know that I can't do it by myself. The way you view God is the way you view your life. Number two, his conduct. His conduct was different than everybody else's. We all know by now that we can't really control the circumstances that happen in our life. But we can control our response. The only thing we control when things happen to us is our response. And one of the most remarkable things about Daniel in the Bible is there was nothing negative that the Bible ever says about Daniel. One of the very few people that the Bible doesn't say anything negative about Daniel. His conduct was superior. He was calm. He wasn't up, down, left, right. He was steadfast. He always stayed the same. He wasn't emotional. And we live in an emotional world and we're emotional creatures. I get that. But here's what this might be a little bit of a confusing concept, but we, as, as people, as Christians, as Christ followers, it's great to live with emotion. We have to live with emotion, but we can't be emotional when we go about it, right? Many times we find out we're, we're up, we're down. I had a great day, a bad day, a bad day, a great day. I'm so confused. I don't know whether I had a good day or a bad day. I'm not real sure. We have to stay calm and under the storm, calm under pressure. Hey, and sometimes if you live this way, sometimes you get in trouble. Like for myself, I, I'm, a, I'm normally just a normally, for the most part, calm person. So if your average level of calmness is if I'm here, most people is here. And sometimes my wife is like, she's an excitable person, right? She's up here. Well, what happens sometimes, what happens in a stressful situation? Most people, so the stressful person is here, stressful situation, they go here. Well, what I try to do is I try to go here. Now, I don't do a great job because what happens sometimes it gets me in trouble with my wife or with people because they think I'm like, I'm not even engaged or I'm not paying attention. But the way I come about that is like, if we both go here, what are we going to do? We're going to be running around with a chicken with our head cut off. So it's a little easier for me just because that's the way God's wired me. But trying to stay calm under pressure is a great, is a great asset. And I think it goes back to what I had said earlier about Daniel understood that everything going on in his life was ordained by his creator. It was ordained by God. Daniel 1.9 says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, do you think he would have found favor if Daniel in that situation was filled with bitterness and rage and anger and he was upset because of all that had happened to him and upset that it was all going on? No. Because what Daniel did was, Daniel lived his life from a faith perspective, not a fear perspective. His faith drove his actions. Fear did not drive his actions. And he understood that the words that he was speaking to the king, 
The, the visions that he was interpreting for the king, those were not really his words. Those were God's words that were just flowing out of his lips. He understood the power of his words and the power of his thoughts were coming from his almighty creator, and he was just the vessel that was speaking them through. He understood that he didn't have to count on himself. All he had to do was count on his God. Our words have power. Use them appropriately. And our ability to speak those depends on our walk with Christ. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Those are a power, powerful couple of verses, are they not? And here's what happens sometimes. We read them in church and we say, Amen, brother. Man, that's great. Yep, up. God's ways are always higher. Guess what happens? Then we, then we walk out that door, we forget all about that verse. And as a matter of fact, sometimes we make it worse. We, get out of, we walk out these doors and we get into a stressful situation, and then we go back to read Isaiah, and then it says, Mike's thoughts are not your thoughts, and Mike's ways are always higher than the Lord, right? We somehow change it. And then we wonder why. Why didn't it work? Because I'm not following God's plan. I'm not being obedient. Number three. So the first one was his circumstances. Second one was his conduct. And his third is his company. Daniel's company. By that, I mean his friends. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. Do not live life alone. It's not going to work out. You have to have committed people around you, people that will stand by you. That's why the, this is one of the reasons why the, the local church is such a powerful organization. You need to be, whether it's this church or another church, if you're a Christian, you have got to be plugged in with a fellowship of believers who think like you. It's important. And we live in a day and age now where you know, your, your 1,453 Facebook friends that you have and that you've checked in with this morning, they're not your friends. Now, I'm, not, I'm all for Facebook. That's fine. That, 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 that is not my point. But I would also say that those things, they're purely entertainment value. Those people aren't friends. I'm not saying, don't, now don't go home and like shut down your Facebook account. That's not, that's not right. That's not what I'm saying. But the people you, you hang around, I tell my kids all the time, right? And, and my wife and I talk about this all the time, and our prayer for our kids is, all, is really the same. Put them around people that they can count on. Give them real friends, right? The, 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 the future of my kid's life, and, and any parent around here, you'd be, you'd be agreeing with me, saying, yes, I want my kids to be surrounded with real, true friends. Here's the other deal with that, though. Is that concept, and I'm using, say, for my kids or a young person, that that person's life is going to be defined in lots of ways by the people they hang around? You know what? That, that concept, it, it never changes. It never, never changes. I'm 47 years old. I believe God has a great calling on my life. I believe that my wife and I, and we're going to be able to do great things in the future for God. 
You know what it's going to be highly dependent on? It's going to be highly dependent on the people that I surround myself with. Not to confuse you, that's why Pastor Matt and I are not friends. I don't want him bringing me down or bringing me to a... Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous should choose friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Daniel 3, 17. This is a great example of the type of people that Daniel had at his friends, as his friends. I'm going to start in 16, I'm sorry. But before that, this is where the king was getting mad because they weren't, they weren't worshiping him. And he basically came out with a decree that says, if you don't worship me, you're, we're going to throw you into the, the lion's den. And here's what they say in 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. And remember, the question was, if you don't worship me, you're going into the lion's den. Answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. It gets better. Here's what verse 18 says. But verse 18 says, but if not, what they're saying, they're saying, if not, if God does not save us, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now that's commitment. That's living a life of faith in the moment. Those are people, those are people I want to hang around. Because here's what happened in those situations. When you're hanging around a group of people like that, if those are the people that are speaking into your life, as soon as you start to falter a little bit, what do they do? They pick you up. What do they do? They stand by your side. What do they do? They come alongside and they build your faith back up. They build your stamina back up. They build your commitment back up. Those are the type of people we need to be hanging around. See, Daniel understood that it wasn't a life of faithfulness he was after. Because a life of faithfulness, that's a long-term deal, right? What he was after was a life of faith, faith in the moment. See, Daniel understood that if I have faith right now, if I have faith right now, everything else works itself out. And then when I get to tomorrow, if I have faith right where I'm at, everything works itself out. And then by default, I live a life of faithfulness. It's too hard. It is way too hard to live a life of faithfulness thinking to myself, okay, in three years, this is the faith I'm going to have. In 10 years, I'm going to have faith for this. Hey, I've got enough problems trying to be faithful in the moment. We have enough going on. We have enough things going on in our life and coming against us. We need to stand firm for a commitment right now. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Daniel was committed. And Daniel 1.8 where it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile. That's one of the clearest verses that could ever be have about the commitment. If he doesn't make that decision back then, there is no, there is no lion's den story. Now, there might be a lion's den story, actually, but it's going to be, have a very, very different ending. Number five, Daniel's commission or his calling. And here's why I'd say this is kind of the question of all questions. Here's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. You know, here's where 
everybody has the same question. And it's a question of calling. And this morning, I've tried to tell you what you need to know about living a godly life, how you need to feel about it, that, that everything in your life is ordained by God. Now I want to tell you what to do about it. Because if we don't have a what to do with anything in life, we're not ever going to get there, right? So here's a question that everybody has. The question that everybody has is, what is my purpose? What is my commission? What is my calling? It's the same question, maybe said in different ways. What's the plan for my life? Or maybe you ask it this way, why am I here? Why am I here? We've all thought that, right? These are actually good questions to ask. Don't think like, oh man, I don't really think about that, so... Hey, I think about that every day. I know the direction that God wants me to go with my life, but I still ask myself these questions every day. But here's an easy way to start answering that question, because I would bet that most of us know don't really have the answer to that question. We're not really sure. But here's an easy way to start answering that question, and I'm going to ask a question to get you to think. My question for you is, what are you doing in your life right now? Right now. Not, not what are your dreams for the future? What is your calling in 10 years from now? What is the vision you had that God's going to see come to pass 15 years from now? Where are you at right now? What are you doing right now? Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, a construction worker, a farmer, a school teacher. Maybe you're unemployed. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're in between jobs. Where are you? What are you doing right now? Well, I'm telling you, wherever, whatever your answer is, that right there, that is the answer to what your call, the calling for your life is today. Today. Our job, our job through all this Christian life is to be faithful today. Faithful in the moment. Faithful for what you're doing right now. No matter how small you think that is, that's the only way to live a life of faithfulness. See, Daniel found out that the more he was faithful in the moment, the more God spoke to him. The more faithful he was in the moment, the more God moved in his life. The smaller the things were that he was faithful with, the larger the things God gave him. I'll give you an analogy if you, to help maybe understand. This isn't the best analogy, but it worked for me, so maybe it'll work for you. I worked at Anheuser-Busch for 15 years, and I hired all kinds of people there, and I promoted all kinds of people that worked for me. Hiring people, that's the most difficult thing in the world because you don't really know who they are. You, you don't really know them until they start working you. Now, to me, people would always say, boy, isn't it hard promoting people? I always find it found it very easy to promote people. And here's why. Because let's say you have a group of 10 people that report to you and you're promoting one of them. Usually one of them, usually one of them stands out from the crowd because they're faithful in the little things and they've done everything that you've asked them to do. So now that sounds easy. So then you promote that person. What happens? Then four, five, six, seven, eight, sometimes all nine of the people come to your office and say, why didn't you promote me? And now there's a longer story to this because you have to be truthful and with people all throughout the process, but here's, and I would say, here's what I would say to them. Well, here's the deal. I, I, you know, I promoted Jenny or whoever because 
She excelled in all the tasks that I've given her. You know, we've talked for the last six months about here's your three objectives, and you really haven't met any of these three objectives. So in a spiritual language, you really haven't been faithful to these really small tasks that I've given you. So if you were me, why would I promote you because you haven't been faithful in the things I've given you? And so many times, I know this is kind of a weird analogy, but so many times, that's the way our spiritual lives works. It's not that God isn't holding up things in heaven for us. It's that we're not doing our job here. The Bible specifically states, start, you know, be faithful in the small things. And Daniel understood that. Daniel understood that his will for any single day, that the will, our will for today is to be faithful right where we're at. You know, all people want to be great, right? Who doesn't want to be great? Everybody wants to be great. But not all people want to do the things that great people do. Everybody wants to live a life of excellence, right? But not many people are willing to do the things that excellent people do. We're talking a little bit about faith this morning. Hey, everybody wants to live a life of faith, right? Who doesn't? Because, again, these Bibles are swords. You can see what happens when somebody lives a life of faith. This is a testimony of all that. Everybody wants to live a life of faith, but not everybody's willing to really live their life in a way that faithful people do. And many times we, we say, we make a deal with God and we say, if you just show me the future, it's all going to work out. That's never how it works. My mom used to always say, sometimes she'd say, and I'm assuming other moms have said this, she'd always say, you're on a need-to-know basis, and right now you don't need to know. Anybody else, right, their mom say that, right? This came to my mind the first service, too. The other thing my mom would always do, and I guess this was before seatbelts, when you came up to a stop, sign, stop light or a stop sign, she kind of made a short, she'd throw her arm out. Like that was going to, that somehow was going to prevent me from going through, going through the window. But I think that's the same with God sometimes. We're on a need-to-know basis. Because here's what I firmly believe. I firmly believe, let's just say for my life, if God showed me a picture of what his plans were, what his plans were for my life in the future, I think I'd say, there ain't no way I can do that. And I'm no different than anybody else. If God showed you a picture of what he has called you to do in the future, what his plans are for you in the future, I think you'd all freak out. And you say, I can't do that. That's why God has designed us to be faithful in the moment. In so many, we want instant gratification. We want God to just show up and do things. You know, we think, okay, my, my life is a straight line. Well, as you know, life is not a straight line. And life is sometimes, it doesn't go as planned, good and bad. I look at my own life, and I'm, a, I'm kind of a planner by nature. So, like, here was my plan for my life. I, I started working at Anheuser-Busch when I was 22 years old. It was a great company to work at. At 22 years old, I literally, this is what I thought, I was done. I was done. I'm going to work at Anheuser-Busch for 30 years, so that puts me at 52. I can probably retire. I'm going to retire at 52, and then I'm done. I don't know what I was going to do, but that was, that was my deal. But since, since I worked there, and, and here, here's what I have tried. I haven't done this. Don't get me wrong. I haven't done this great. 
But my goal has always been, and again, this is just my demeanor and anything, my goal has always been, if I take care of my business today, I won't have to worry about tomorrow. So I've always tried to live my, if I'm faithful what God has asked me to do right now, tomorrow will work itself out. But since I worked in Ice Bush, then I went to work at a, I was at a church, I was a police chaplain, I started coaching high school sports, family and I were foster parents, worked at Crisis Aid, worked at Crisis Aid, humanitarian aid organization, doing work all across the globe, and now back as a pastor again. And sometimes when I look at this, and even when I was typing my notes this week, I start to chuckle thinking, well, what, what happened? What happened? Because here's the deal. I, honestly, honest to God's truth, and my wife, you can ask my wife, I wasn't planning on any of this, any of this. Matter of fact, all those things, I didn't even really want to do any of it. When I, came, when I was a Ferguson police chaplain, they called, they, they called me three times. The first time I called, I said, I don't want to do it. Second time, I don't want to do it. Third time, I said, okay, I'll do it. You just never know what God's plan for your life is. Even, even, here, even me coming here, if you'd have told me I'd be here six months ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I want to, not going to do that. That's not going to happen. Not that I didn't want to be here. I would certainly want to be here. But at that time, I would have said, that's not even an option. You know, even if I wanted to do that, do you know how many things God would have to strategically ordain behind the scenes for that to happen? There are so many things, it's not, it's not even really worth thinking about. Matter of fact, uh, my, side of the, my side would be, matter of fact, there are so many, I hate to admit it like this, there are so many things, there's really nothing to even pray about. There's so many things going on, right? Remember, I admitted before, sometimes my view of God in my own life, even though I've seen him do remarkable things time and time again, sometimes my view of God, I hate to admit it, is about this big. And Daniel is a great example that sometimes the secret of life is the more faithful we are in the little things, the bigger things just start to happen. Some of these things that we just live a, a daily life of faith, you may think it's a small step, but it has huge ramifications. If you think of the look at the story of Daniel and how it all started, Daniel 1.8. Daniel 1.8, just, just to refresh your memory one more time. Daniel 1.8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. See, he didn't make a commitment in the lion's den. His commitment was way before that ever happened. And I would say one of the secrets of life is that much of life happens when you least expect it. That's why living a life of faith is so important. That's why life of, living a life of obedience is so important. That's why living a life of, I sometimes I say it another way, of being prayed up. I have to be prayed up. Because here's the deal. When life happens when I don't expect it, and it will, it's going to be me and God there making those decisions. I'm probably not going to have time to call Pastor Matt and get his thoughts. One, because the conversation is going to be about 45 minutes. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to have time to call Guy and say, hey, Guy, can you sing to me over the phone? It's going to be me and God. Guy, you can come up. But see, Daniel, Daniel made a commitment back in chapter 1, to live a life of faith. See, back there in chapter 1, what Daniel was doing, it was an unplanned, 
probably an unplanned, spontaneous act of faith that was his very first prophetic venture. And Daniel is one of the greatest prophetic books. We're not going to talk about today, but one of the prophetic books all through the Bible. But I would say if you want to answer the question of God's will for your life, it starts right where you're at today and being faithful today. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about next week. We don't have to worry about 15 years from now. And really, you don't have to worry about what happened yesterday or a year ago or six years ago. Because that's what hangs us up sometimes. Sometimes, as you know, I talked about today, sometimes the future and knowing God's plans screws us up sometimes. For many of us, it's, it's the past. Because here's the deal about the past. That's one of those circumstances that you can't really change. The only thing you can do about that circumstance is figure out how you're going to respond today. God's not concerned about your past. The only person that gets wrapped up sometimes concerned about my past is me. God's not concerned about my past. God's way more concerned about my future. We need to be concerned about our future. And Daniel is a great way that if we're just faithful today, God will open the doors for our future.